Annie. I'm Cece. And this is Spela Golf. Hi. Hi. How have you been? I've been good. My parents have been here. Oh, I remember us talking about it like yeah. a couple episodes ago that they're finally here. I know. So helpful. Love it. Has it been fun? Yeah, it's been fun. I had a right before... Um, right before they got here, like a week before my, my sweet, sweet, sweet four-year-old Olivia is like, I told you this before, I feel like I could leave her at home and she would literally take care of herself all day. She would feed herself. She would shower. Like she's just such a like great kid, you know? And then my three-year-old is, I can't trust her for nothing. I mean, she would like, Yeah this is what I'm getting to is I, we, so James and I had a date to ourselves. We actually went to um, the Giants Cardinals game. We were invited uh, to go watch them play. And it was really cool. It was funny because we were in row four behind the Giants players, like the bench. And we saw a lot of like friends and and stuff. And um, we're sitting there and I don't know if you've ever been to an NFL game before, but they're super drunk they're obnoxious. I mean, it's like their personality is coming out like these fans. Right. And James looks at me and he goes, is this what it's like sitting in the stands? And I'm like, oh my God, this is literally like the first game that you've been to where you haven't been on the field. Like you're actually sitting. And he's like, he's like spitting at me. And I'm like, no, that's just beer. And I'm like, it smells like beer, alcohol, and sweat pretty much. But anyway, so we got the whole day to ourselves and his mom was watching the kids and I was like, I was like, James, it's, it's just so nice just to like be the two of us, you know, like it brings back so many memories and it was great. Giants won, uh, which was fun. Sad. Well, it was fun because we were on that side of the stadium. <laughs> Sad um, for us Cardinals. Yes. But then so like we get home and like immediately when we get home, like the girls are arguing and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so then the following day, like on that Monday, I hear the girls argue and I like want to listen to what they're arguing about first before I go in and just like, ah, stop arguing. And I hear my responsible little girl sitting on the couch with her little sister saying, don't tell mom. Oh my God, I'm about oh. to have it. <laughs> and I look around the corner and this girl had climbed up on her play kitchen. Play kitchen. She reached up to like the child lock on the door to the closet where I keep all their crafting stuff. She unlocked it, opened it for her sister to walk in there and grab all the Sharpies. Oh, nice. And even though they're only sitting on the couch, like, like coloring on a piece of paper, I don't trust them because I, I already have smiley faces and hearts on my wall with permanent markers. <laughs> and as much as I would like to, you know, paint the walls and stuff, I'm like, I can't because these, <laughs> these little firecrackers are going to ruin it. They're just going to draw on it again. But I just can't believe she said, don't tell mom. Uh, is this when it's starting? She might be the rebel child. They're no, she rebel. can't be. She's too sweet to oh, be a rebel never child. Know. Rebel and child. so I was like, I remember saying, I can't wait 
for my parents to come just to kind of get a little break because we don't really have any help here. You know, so James is stay home then and, you know, obviously like we get help, but it's nice to have someone living with you <laughs> to help you. So anyways, yeah, that was my highlight. What's your highlight? Um, Just have been, um, since it's overseeding, I've just been spending some time at Torreon, which has been nice. Just get a break, fall leaves, fall season. And then, you know, I'm excited. I mean, it's the end, uh, middle October, end of October, Halloween is going to be coming up. And then before you know it, Thanksgiving and Christmas, time is flying before the I love new it. year. So I never thought I was going to like, like saying time is flying, but like this season is so great. It's just so fun. You know, time could fly a little faster over summer, but like now, like we're literally in the best time of the year. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's so much going on. There's so many festivities. Weather is perfect. Two more months and then the Hallmark movies begin. <laughs> and last year we installed an electric fireplace. You did. <laughs> I know uh, we were talking about yeah. it, James and I. We're like, what do we want to do for Christmas this year? Because uh, we go to Sweden every other year. And so this year we're going to stay here. And I was like, I really don't want to go anywhere. I just want to be at my house or our house because now we get to decorate it. We just remodeled it last year. So like we actually get to like enjoy it. And I can't wait for that. I cannot wait. Oh, And the so girls fun. to be a little older, it makes it so much fun. I know you guys can relate that has kids that is just like now time is like changing where it's like not about me anymore. It's all about them. And it just, it's a thousand percent better than being about me. <laughs> so, yes. Love that. So today's topic is going to be about scoring, which we've done already. Um, we did a couple months ago about breaking 100, 90, 80. And I feel like that was more, we talked still about mental, of course, we've covered a lot of mental episodes because it's a mental game. But we also talked about technical, how it's going to help you if you take lessons, you work on your short game and you do those, you know, steps, right, from an instructor's view. And so I'm curious, do your students come to you and be like, well, I just shot a 85 in a tournament. What do I do? Like, do a lot of students come to you complaining about their bad rounds? Like, what do I need to do to change it? I'm just curious from your perspective when it comes to scoring and people come to you, they say, oh, help me shoot lower. Like, yeah. what's your what's your answer to that? Um, so it's different depending on who it is, obviously. So the high school kids that I teach, they come weekly for lessons. So I'm very like involved in their swing. I know exactly where they should be. I know where they're at and, and all that. So when they come to me and they say, oh, I just shot whatever is not a good score for them. I know that they stopped functioning mentally. I know you have the golf swing to be able to do it. I know you can chip your way around this course and, and score better than what you just did. So it must have been poor decisions or not knowing how to hit a shot, which is also surprising because we work once a week together. So all the knowledge that I'm giving them, maybe they just didn't remember and that's fine. Um, but not very often is it about the swing for the students that I meet with once a week. Now, it's different if someone comes to me, like I've had a few students now in the past that will come to me and, oh, I can't break 100. And then I watch them swing and I'm like, 
yeah, that makes sense because you slice every golf ball or, you know, they just, they don't have enough knowledge about what is causing a slice or causing a hook or causing a chunk or causing you to top the golf ball. So if I can just teach them like the fundamentals of the golf swing, they're going to lower their score for that reason. So it really depends, but I would say mostly if you're a good golfer and you have enough knowledge about the golf swing and like why the ball is flying the way it's flying, um, then it's probably your attitude on the golf course and you're freaking out because you're not doing well. So one of my girls that I teach is a prime example of that where I know she can hit the golf ball, but if it's not perfect, then it's not good enough. And then she gets upset and then she takes it out on the golf course and then she just, it's, it's almost like she's like blinking. Mm. She like doesn't know what to do or what to think or how to fix it, even though that's what we work on. Because most of our work in a swing lesson is, okay, when you get out on the golf course and you start hooking it, what do I need to do to fix it? Or if you get out there and you're chunking it, like, what do I need to do to fix it? Because I'm not out there with you. So you have to fix it on your own. You have to be able to solve your own problems. Yes. And as much as I love having a coach, like, because coaches need coaches, right? But I would also feel that I'm not spending my money right because my time is costing you money. So if I'm letting you go from a lesson without knowing how to fix your problem, I just don't think that your money was well spent. Because then you're coming to someone telling you what to do, but not why. Like, why are you doing that? And then you just paid me however much money for me to just tell you what to do. I just don't think that's well-spent money. Do you ask your students why, you know, not the wrong way, but like, why are you thinking this way? Like, do you try and get them to tell you why? Why's? Yeah. So it's hard for me. It's way easier for me to analyze their golf swing and fix it. I would say like, I can make you hit a golf a golf ball pretty well and pretty short amount of time. But kind of what you were saying earlier in our conversation is like all the thoughts that goes through our head. I can't see them. I can see what you're doing in a golf swing. I cannot see what's going through your head. I can see if your body language starts crumbling. <laughs> and then I can see if you're getting, I can see if you're getting mad, sad, upset. You know, I can see if you're happy because everyone's body language is, you know, that's what's speaking of their feelings. But I cannot ever read your mind of what you're thinking. So if you are not honest with me, I can't help you. And even if you are honest with me and I give you the tools to get over it, if you're not listening to that and if you're not open-minded to trying it, I still can't help you, you know? So I can force you to do something physically, (laughs) But mentally, it's all about you. You have to fix it. You have to be open-minded for me to help you to fix it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's very different player to player. Like if we take you, for example, when you say, oh, I just hit a bad round, but your mental game is like, but I had three blow-up holes. So if I would have just done this different, right? Mm Because you know how to hit the golf ball. Like you could shoot even par tomorrow if you were just making better decisions, mm-hmm. right? Hitting yeah. your driver a little further, making yes. it a little easier. But nothing says that you can't hit sh- or shoot even par. 
So for you, it's all about making decisions on the golf course, committing, like you're all mental. Even in your physical golf swing, you're mental. We can work on something and you get to the top of your golf swing and your backswing and you're like, this is pretty good, right? I'm like, I haven't paid attention to that in like 10 months. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you're just focusing on like the wrong things sometimes. Mm -hmm. But that's you, you know? And then like the high school kid that I teach is that he's doing really well. He can literally shoot five under through nine holes. Um, but he hits the ball too far mm. and he just can't control his distances. So like he hit his three wood, like 358 yards the other day out of bounds. Like I didn't know he was going to hit his three wood, 358 yards. I would have told him to pick something else if I knew he was going to hit it that far. Does he <laughs> you know? know he hits it that far? Does he know? So, and not, he we're not does. talking about him directly, but like, do people know how far their club distance is? Like, no, is that a, most of the time? Yeah. No. But for, for this kid in particular, like he just hits the ball so well sometimes that it just gets overboard. <laughs> but that, that's the thing though. Like, could he have hit like a six iron? Yeah. But did we think his three wood was going to go that far? No. And it was like wide open by the green. And then he just randomly ended up out of bounds in a bush. And it just kind of escalated from there, you know? So that was like, it was not a bad choice. It was not anything that he did wrong. He hit it better than he's ever hit a three wood in his life. And it just ended up being out of bounds, you know? So it's just very different from person to person. Interesting. I like that approach. And um, I kept, as we were doing, I always come up with ideas before our episodes. And so with scoring, um, I was listening to a different podcast earlier. Um, her name is Kathy Hartwood. And it was cool talking about scoring. And she says, every shot is created equal. Even if it's a 240 yard drive, like fairway tee shot, or it's a three foot putt. It's always the same. And I don't know why that just like kind of just was very interesting to me because I'm like, well, it doesn't feel the same, but it almost like it should be because she explains about how no matter what shot we're given, and you've taught me this too, we have to find that neutral mindset. No matter what, you always taught me, <laughs> you drew a line for me on a scorecard the other day about how we don't want our heart about our heart rate. We don't want it to be racing the entire round. It has to stay calm and neutral. And so I just find that interesting. And I'm like, okay, every shot is the same, but you have to keep that neutral mindset if it does work out or if it doesn't work out. I feel like that's the key thing. But do you think too, I mean, this is how I feel. I can't speak for everyone else, but I feel that a 10 foot putt for birdie is a lot less swing to handle. And I know I'm not going to miss this putt by like 20 feet while I'm on the tee box. And it's extremely crucial for me to hit this 250 yards in the fairway. So I just think mentally for you and for me is that when we get up around the green, we're so confident that we're going to make it while we don't have that mindset on the on the tee box. And that's why having this neutral, so as much as I teach that, and like now it's different for me, like when I go and play tournaments or just rounds today, 
it's very different. Like I go up on the tee box and I was like, okay, <laughs> I have no feelings towards it whatsoever. But yeah, you almost have to like, I don't know, like shut your feelings off. And that's how you become neutral. Like you can't feel anything, but that's not how we are made as humans. You know, if it's like being emotionless is actually like a bad thing, you know, because you're like, man, you don't have emotions, like you don't feel anything. But that's kind of what we want in golf until the round is over and we look back at it and we're like, man, I did really well, you know. But during the round, if we're like, man, I'm doing so good and I'm doing so good. And then you hit that bad shot and then you're like, oh, now we're going to start dropping downhill, downhill after yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's how it is. And if you start off with a bad hole, it's going to be really hard to get back from that. And uh, what I love speaking of starting off with bad holes, I have been put in situations on that first tee box. I have birdied a hole on the first hole, bogey, doubled. I've literally on a quadruple bogey on the first hole, but I, and it's almost like, oh, well, nothing to care about now. And then we start playing a little bit better because it's like that. It feels like it comes to caring. We either care too much or we care too little. It's like, I feel like I have to find a balance between both. If that makes sense when it comes to caring about your golf score, because it's what we want is we want to shoot low. We want to break. Oh, I want to break 110. Like that's what we have that mindset. So I feel like we go out and play and we start adding a lot like, Oh shoot. I'm, plus six already on the first three hole. Like, I don't know. I, I just, just don't like- think it has anything to do with caring because caring now we're putting emotion back into it. So like if I care, if I say like, oh, I don't care that I made a double bogey. Like, yes, you do. You do care that you made a double bogey, but maybe accepting that you made a double bogey mm-hmm. is a different approach to it. So instead of saying, I'm so happy I made a birdie or I don't care that I made a a triple or a quadruple. Like, Mm. no, we definitely care that we did that. But going to the next hole and being, okay, I made a triple bogey. Now I'm at the next hole. Accept the shot and move on. (laughs) Kind of. Because now you're taking feelings away from, from a hole or a shot. And you're just accepting that that's what just happened. And a key thing that I wrote down before this episode that I wanted to say was Drew taught me if you're already counting your score by hole five, you might as well quit. <laughs> yeah, then, he's very direct. <laughs> I was like, I drew that. He was like, yeah, just with your group, say if this is a practice, you know, not practice, but you're out playing and, you know, you're just, it's going downhill. He's like, say, hey, peace out. I'm going to work on my ghost work on my golf swing. <laughs> With his Australian accent. (laughs) And Drew is your swing instructor. Yeah. If you just started listening. Stop. But yeah, Uh, that's funny. He's funny. He's he's very strict and he (laughs) definitely has his opinions, but every once in a while, it's kind of funny. (laughs) We were talking about it the other day where um like he always like when you're hitting golf balls. And we're standing like down the line watching you hit golf ball. So he, we, you, him and I stand right next to each other. And he always goes, that's pretty good, eh? That's pretty good, eh? And he, oh, gives, me this, like, he gives me this like, 
push that I almost like fall over. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, I see it. I know. Honestly, when you hear the, you know, just a little compliment from your instructor, it feels pretty good. It's like, oh. especially Drew. Yeah. yeah. Said, oh, look at that. Look at that. That was pretty good. Eh? That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and then he pushes me. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. He's funny. But yeah, he will definitely have something to say about how to think about score shots approaches yeah there's so much things to go so many things it is Uh, so many things and what we talked about in the last episode about you know rules so there's one thing you need to learn about golf which is black on white rules what you can and cannot do but then it's like a whole other set of golf like what you should do and what you shouldn't do but then there's also this part of knowing how to score and knowing your handicap and how to get a square club face at impact. And it's a lot. <laughs> like golf is a lot. I know. And we even talked about um, simplifying golf back a couple episodes ago, which has been super helpful. But I'm like, we want to try and simplify golf, but there still is a lot to it. Yeah, well, it's kind of like saying, I don't care that I made a double bogey. It's like the same thing. Like, yes, we do. So even though we say it doesn't mean that we believe it. And it's about the same thing, like simplifying it. Okay, like I'm going to simplify it. But in the back of your head, you still have those hundred thoughts of what you should do and what you shouldn't do when you're when you're hitting your golf ball. Um. So, yeah, I would say kind of like... <laughs> like the same example of last episode, but like speaking English. So this is my second language, like being in the environment and experiencing the language is going to teach me better and faster. So the more golf you play and the more you learn about the game of golf, the faster and easier it's going to be. But if you're just starting out, I'm sure it's very overwhelming. I started when I was 10. I don't, I don't remember you know, we had to read our way through getting our green card and, mm-hmm. and that whole story. But I mean, learning anything as an adult is a thousand times harder because we try to remember everything that's been said instead of maybe picking out, you know, a few things and prioritize them to make it a little bit easier for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to scoring, I'm also thinking, A key thing that you taught me was patience (laughs) because we all want to shoot these numbers all the time. Oh, I want to be consistent with, you know, breaking 90 all the time, 80, 70, you know, this, this. And then you're like, it's just going to also take patience, even if you're putting in all of the hard work that you can and you're not expecting the result. It's just going to take time. And I feel like sometimes I guess I feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm running out of time but you taught me that I have all the time in the world. <laughs> it's just yeah, what am I, mean, I in a rush you know, for? Do you know the average age of the LPGA tour? I should Google it. Yeah, you should Google that. Because like, I think sometimes you feel that you're a little older than you are. And mentally you are older. But 22, I mean, there is not a whole lot of successful 22-year-olds out there. If it's in the golf world, business world, what whatever it takes time and that's why most people say like your prime time is like in your 30s 40s 50s even because now you've had all this experience 
um, to be able to like build wealth if whatever direction that's in, you know, but if you are successful when you're 22, you've, I don't know, maybe you're just a huge talent. Um, you inherited a lot of money <laughs> from somewhere, but you haven't had enough time to establish something to be able to be successful when you're just in your early twenties. Yeah. And it's interesting too. Um, I was Googling it for the, um, the PGA tour. They said the average on the PGA tour is 35 years old. Yeah. And then the average of a female professional, um, is 24. Yeah. Like, so you're 22, like you have two more years of doing what we're doing to even be like close to Q school, you know? Mm -hmm. So hopefully that will put a little piece to your mind. And there's even more articles. I'm like, some say, oh, the average LPGA is 30. There's a mix. I mean, you can start some girls, they get on tour at 17 years old and some get on at 35. Well, exactly. Some are 40 years old. No, there's some players who are 40 years old and they play on the tour 50, 60. You could be 60 years old and play on the LPGA tour. Like my friends, like my guy friends that are into golf, like they're still trying for Monday qualifiers. They're 30, we're 35. Like it doesn't mean just because you said you were going to be on tour or that is your dream of being on tour doesn't mean it has to happen tomorrow or next year. Like you have time. I mean, do you need to make an income before then? Probably because <laughs> you need to survive. But I mean, we have a really good plan for you. So don't give up. Be patient. And we're going to make it to Q school. I'm not going to give up. No. <laughs> when would I ever give not. up? Of course. I, I always see all these quotes all the time. Never give up. You know, quitting now is the same thing as doing it later. Regrets and just just one day at a time, right? You're always going to regret what you know. How does it go? You're never going to regret what you did. You're always going to regret what you didn't do. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Which makes sense. But from today's episode, we will always we'll always talk about scoring because that's what golf is. I mean, golf. What is the game of golf? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's just so much more to golf than scoring. But Uh, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Whoever has the lowest score wins. So, golf. The purpose of the game is literally getting it in the hole for a few strokes possible. That's it. Boom. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to share the podcast. 